Have I done this without pressing record? Yes, I have. Well, ladies and gentlemen, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. It is Monday, November 29th, and I am sitting here. Oh, wait a minute. What am I saying? This is the Sober Network podcast. I keep forgetting oh, to tell people what it is. And our guest today is Andrea Ashley. Andrea. Hi. Hey, kiddo. Hi for those for that, me. For those of you that don't know, you are going to look up Andrea Ashley. She's got the Adult Child Podcast. She's a TikTok rocker, Instagram blogger, recovery <laughs> bulletin author, and hot shit. I'm going to tell yeah. you, I'm going to tell you there's... As I've been reinventing myself once again, folks, you 99.999 of you have no idea who I am, um, getting back into this business <laughs> and wanting to uh, spread the love and spread the joy of how we can actually start to turn things around, every now and then I meet somebody who is just making sparks. And I've never met Andrea before. We just started talking. But with all with that having been said, hello, darling, how are you? Oh, old friends. Yes, don't. I have a question. Why are you guys not? Why is this podcast not on Apple? Um, I'm going to have to ask uh, our fearless leader. Yeah, that needs to happen. Uh, it does. And um, I thought it was. But hey, I'm an old guy. I don't know shit about goddamn. <laughs> podcast. Uh, we'll learn. We'll learn a lot from you and Dr. Drew and everybody else. So, okay, let's get to it. Andrea, describe yourself. You and I in the elevator, we got five floors. Who the hell are you and why are you on the show? Um, Doors just well, I'm shut. on the show because you asked me to be, and I will, never take, I will never miss any opportunity to not talk about myself. Um, I am a, uh, a former hot mess express. Uh, I am a, a woman in recovery, so I celebrated 13 years in September, which is crazy. Um, and I am a survivor of, of broken picker syndrome. Um, I am an adult child of an alcoholic, uh, family, and I am the host of the podcast adult child, where we take a deep dive into the impact of growing up in a dysfunctional family and how the hell to heal and get on with our damn lives. You know, dysfunctional family. I've never heard of such a thing. Yeah. I think it's everybody. You know what? Well, I've heard this said before, like a dysfunctional family is um, any family with more than one person in it. But what I like to say in my podcast is um, people say, isn't every family dysfunctional? And my answer to that is, yes, every family encounters dysfunction from time to time. But what makes a family dysfunctional is not so much the dysfunction itself, but how the dysfunction is handled. And in a dysfunctional family the dysfunction never gets addressed or resolved. You just live in perpetual dysfunction. Actually, the latter half is perfect. It's never addressed, hidden behind the curtain, and that's where it just eats away at itself. Uh, mm -hmm. Excellent. Uh, well said. And um, it's funny because every time I get a new family together and they go, well, you know, unlike other people, we're dysfunctional. <laughs> Have mm -hmm. you ever met a functional family? I've I mean, met one. I've met one. They can't I didn't be. know they existed. And like you said, people go through phases of dysfunctional activity. They may be healthy and happy. They may be good communicators. They may be, uh, they don't hide things and put everything on the table. And that's great. But every once in a while, the shit hits the fan. We all run into this. And that's the one thing that I make crystal clear to everyone that I work with. Oh, please, you know, don't think that over there they're perfect and we should aspire to be like them. 
I go, yeah, lots of luck with that. Have you ever looked behind the curtain over in that family? Yeah, no shit. Yeah, so things happen. Well, um, I, I, you know, it's it's interesting. I was thinking about the kind of questions that I've been asked to ask, and I'll throw some of them in. But when did you start your podcasts? Uh, my first episode la- dropped on March 31st of this year. And how the many Tale have of you Two Bryans. The Tale of Two Bryans. Yep. Yes. And, uh, um, and I have um, 35 episodes. You know, I started it thinking I was going to just do maybe like eight or 10 episodes, but I haven't taken a week off since. So, and I'm, uh, I'm about to hit 100,000 downloads in total. So it's been really damn. crazy. Damn. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, if you're like me, I go back to the early podcasts that I do, and I do nothing but grimace. <laughs> no, my shit's good. Uh, hey, God, <laughs> which, which is really why I'm really glad to, to meet you. Well, you know, I'll, I'll say this, and then I'll you know go in the more direction of the questions. The energy that you have is like, okay, I'm done with this bullshit, and I really need to make this work, and I'm going to do it my way. And mm-hmm. you are so made, motivated. And your vision is so clear. I think that's the thing that I find really enjoyable. And I have listened to a couple of podcasts. Guys, you got to listen to the one with Dr. Uh, Drew. Dr. Drew. And um, I'm going I'm to I'm tell you, folks, when you do, you're going to see, you know, his podcast pretty damn polished. Of course, the production values are through the roof. But it's the banter, the way that he asks questions and the way that you respond. And you really did engage him really well. So that was just awesome. And um, so everybody, please, uh, you'll be able to find links to the various things that Ashley does on our. Andrea, uh, Andrea, Andrea. it's okay. People make that mistake all the time. It's better that you said that than Andrea. So I'd rather you call it me Ashley than Andrea. <laughs> so it's okay. <laughs> it's my whole life. It's been happening my whole life. So Well, that let, let's just keep okay, going. I want to make here. this very clear, though. I want to make this very clear. I, my last name is actually Ashley. I am scared to death that people think, and I'm sorry if you're one of those girls, I'm calling you out right now. I am scared to death. Somebody thinks I'm one of those people that puts their first name and their middle name. Like you see that all the time, Jessica Marie, like Christine, uh, Megan it, no, I'm not one. I'm, I'm, that is like my biggest fear in life is that people think I'm one of those girls i'm not that's actually my last name just want to make that clear boom i'm glad you did so you've got these 30 some odd copies under your belt what was the biggest challenge you've had what do you think is the biggest conundrum that you face as you do these things the biggest the biggest challenge was starting you know that was really um I was just talking about this with somebody recently. So I initially, I, I wanted to launch my first episode on October 31st of 2020. Uh, and it did not happen until um, March 31st of 2021. But I really, um, you know, I spent so much time working on my first four episodes. You know, I really, especially the first episode, I just wanted it to be, you know, it was very important to me that I I started off with a bang. Um, And so I put so much time into those episodes. So when I launched the podcast, I had four ready to go. 
And I was nervous about once I got to like the point where I was going to have to make an episode like during the week of like that, I would not be able to do it. Um, but I have, uh, yeah, I just, um, that was it just starting. Um, and also too, it's just, uh, I'm so, I'm so passionate about this and I'm just, you know, I want this to to be something big just because I know that there's so many people out there that need to hear this message. And so of course there's times when I, um, can get a little consumed in the results or that things aren't happening enough, which is just like so ridiculous because, uh, the response to this podcast has been like beyond my wildest dreams, but I'm an alcoholic, right? Sometimes it's never good enough. So, but it is interesting whenever I get into those places, um, you know, once I'm able to like chill out, uh, I feel like my higher power always then steps in something happens or whatever. And it's like, chill out. Like I have this under control, Andrea, like just keep making the podcast and it's all going to work out exactly the way it's supposed to. Well, you certainly, you come off with that. Andrea, you've done, you've certainly had enough under your belt so that you can approach things comfortably. And, um, it's wonderful to hear you. Um, so what's the end result? What's the goal of all this? What do you want? Hmm. Well, I mean, honestly, the, the end result is that I want to reach the apex of my personal fulfillment and my contribution to the world around me. You know, that's really, really the goal. <laughs> Snap. I, yeah. I, I love it. Before we got on air, I had I'd talked. I uh, had said to Ashley that my, uh, I do this because I want boots on the street. I realized mm-hmm. a long time ago that I, you know, well, who am I? Nobody will listen to me other than the guy or gal who's sitting in my office. And other than that, you know, that's about it. But the podcasts, to get people with like minds who really want to make change. And the best part is finding inspiration to affect change. Mm-hmm. And we have to do mm-hmm. it. As Andrea agreed earlier, one-on-one. And this is the way to do it because you who are sitting there, alone are listening to us. You may be in a room with other people, but most of the time we're alone. And this is the magic. And with, with Andrea, her authenticity, I've listened to a bunch of your podcasts. And I think the thing that really drew me to want to interview you was just how honest you are and your snap finger. It's not, you don't premeditate it. You don't, it's not pre pre-production or anything. It's just right coming right off. Right off the top of your tongue. And girl, that's me. I mean, I just, I don't, you know, I used to be in television. You know, we were in storyboarding. So I said, fuck this shit. Why storyboard it? I'm going to go in these different directions. You don't have a pen fast enough to draw the shit that I'm doing. So that that's, I'm loving that. And here's a big one. How's your life changed since you've started? <laughs> yeah. Um. You know, it's interesting. Um, uh, so I feel like I need to give a little, a little snap it and a little, you know, shot into what brought me there and just to have this like answer make sense. But, you know, so I, um, you know, at nine years sober, I hit a bottom, an emotional bottom that was even more painful than the bottom that got me sober. Uh, if somebody had told me that I would be in more pain at nine years of sobriety when I first got sober, I'm not sure I would have 
gotten sober. So thankfully I was not privy to that information, you know, at that time. But today I can say that that pain was the biggest blessing that ever happened to me because, um, you know, it was through that pain that I came to terms with the true impact that my childhood had on me. Um, and so that bottom was the result of like, uh, nine years of just really painful romantic relationships. And that's why I say I'm a broken picker syndrome survivor. Uh, my picker was not improving. It just got worse. Um, because unbeknownst to me, you know, even though I'd gotten sober, I was still suffering from, um, another progressive disease, the disease of family dysfunction, um, which I believe to be kind of my core, the core issue for, for most of us. Um, but so yeah, men, that was my problem, right? As soon as I get into a relationship, my, my peace of mind is hijacked, uh, all that stuff. So I have not, I haven't been in a relationship in the past four years. I've just, you know, I've dated some, but I had, so this was like one thing where I can say, and I don't know if this is the, I guess it is related to, to the podcast, but so, you know, I went on a date, um, a couple, like a couple months ago, I liked the guy. I did not overshare. That's been a problem in my past too. It's like, Oh, like first date. Oh, let me tell you all about my childhood trauma. Isn't that so romantic? Uh, and so, um, I did not overshare and, uh, it was fine. And, and I liked him, you know, but when I was on my drive home, I will tell you this, I was not planning my wedding. Like I typically am after a first date. And, um, so, and I was okay. I was not like hyperventilating that he didn't ask me out on another date, like by the end of the first date. And, um, and so then two days later, he, he texted me and he said that he had a really nice time with me, but that he didn't feel a romantic connection. And the biggest blessing and miracle ever was receiving that message did not change how I felt about myself in the tiniest way. And, and that is a miracle because in the past, just receiving that, like would have, I mean, I would just, all of it, all the limiting beliefs, all the faulty beliefs would just come shooting up. You know, you're inherently flawed. You're unlovable. You're going to be single forever. You're never going to find anyone. None of that like came up. And I attribute that to one, all of the work that I've done over the past four years, a lot, a lot, a lot of work, inner work. Okay. okay. And two, the podcast. I feel like I have something that is so fulfilling and purposeful to me. Um, and that just, yeah, it's just, I don't, that was part of it too. It's like hitting that bottom was not just like, I have this childhood pain that needs to be resolved. It was like, Hey, like you've not re never really thought about like, why were you put on this earth? Like, what are you supposed to do? And so this journey has been not just like healing. It's been figuring out why I was put on this earth and like, how do I live as like my very best and highest self and help the world around me. And so it's just been this like crazy, just journey of really feel like I'm finally like live stepped into and, and walking in my purpose. It gets me emotional. When I think about it. It's, it's been like, it's really, it should, um, it's been crazy. It's been very surreal experience. <laughs> I can identify with you a great deal. The, there's something for those of you that have never hosted anything like this. There's a, there's something, there's an, you, know, you peel back the onion skins with this stuff. You talk with other people and you're always on the verge 
of breaking through something. You're whittling yourself down. As you, as you make these connections with different people, and time and time again, it's, it's just like going to the same class over and over and over again. The 80-20 rule applies. Mm-hmm. So for me, I, I learn so much about myself each time. And I'll tell you, um, the bottom line, Andrea, is sometimes I walk away from these things absolutely shocked at mm-hmm. what I've realized about myself in the middle of, a, mm-hmm. of an interview. And uh, you just touched on something because you, you spoke about dysfunctional families. And, you know, my, mine, was a, mine was an award-winning. We were an Emmy award-winning dysfunctional <laughs> family. And in ways which will blow your mind, it's just not normal. But so the answer to my question, how has the podcast changed your life? The answer is it has. And it is. It's an ongoing, you are transforming. And you're getting in touch with the issues which plagued you and I'm telling you, careful, the aha moments, that they'll start cascading on your ass. And you'll like, mm-hmm. it's just an amazing experience. So good for you. I mean, just good. So um, I want to ask you, so did you, did you have an adult child bottom? Define that. Do you talk about yourself on here? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> well, um. Yeah. I mean, was there, did you, did you hit a point in your, you're, you're sober, correct? I am. Yeah. So did you hit a point in your sobriety, uh, uh, you know, an emotional bottom in which um, was the result of your unresolved childhood shit? Oh, uh, in so many ways, Um, emotional bottom. Um, What's interesting is that I've, failed in so many ways and then ultimately I would reinvent myself so for me I've been in in, in constant reinvention um, mm-hmm. I call myself the laziest person on the planet but I've been in literally 30 industries mm-hmm. and each time I would fail because of my substance engagement and this I would I wouldn't be able to disconnect from the trauma of the experiences of what happened to me during my formative years because mm-hmm. of the structure of my family. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, on my website, I say I was a child of the age of Aquarius. Mm. I'm amazed I made it through. And my family can't believe it. And the people that grew up with me are amazed. I mean, I'm sober. Are you kidding me? Howie? <laughs> like, really? So, um, yes. Um, I'm constantly revisiting that. And um, mm-hmm. Andrea, I'd be lying to, if I was to say that I feel that I've, uh, I've gotten there. Mm-hmm. I've got so much. I'm amazed at what I'm finding out about myself. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, mm-hmm. Plus, you know, my, my wife had a catastrophic stroke, which really changed our world. And as she's mm-hmm. healed, and she's healed fantastically, I'm looking back and I'm so grateful. And I think this gratitude, when you talk to folks who have gone through various programs, AA and others of self-reflection, introspection, and growth, they get these aha moments of gratitude. And so 
I'm not sure if I answered your question at all, but I'll tell you that I think what I'm finding <laughs> is I'm more and more, I feel grateful for the clarity mm. of mind and for this incredible mm. opportunity to live an authentic life for mm. the first fucking time in my life. I know. I'm 57. I, know. I spent, I'm 67. I spent 50 years with my head up my ass. So, you know, people look at me and go, oh, you're a master's level clinician and you're an interventionist. Oh, you must have had 50 years of doing this. I go, yeah, well, 30 of them were drunk and stoned and fucked up while I was doing it. But that, that's me. No, that's like a, that's a big, that's like a big message of, of my podcast is that, um, is like learning how to embrace all of that pain. Um, and I, I'm just so, I'm so grateful for all of it, you know? And if I had the option to not have endured that, I would not because it shaped me into the person that I am today. You know, I was listening to, um, there was a wonderful, uh, Joe Rogan had Jewel on his podcast recently, highly recommended. It was crazy, but he was, Joe Rogan was saying, he was just like people, like the people who only people that are interesting are people that have had like really fucked up lives. <laughs> and I believe that, you know, like I'm just, um, I like people who had fucked up lives. I'm not really interested in those who've just kind of, you know, skipped around boring boring <laughs> well we're we are certainly more entertaining i'll tell you that right now yeah um, the, the, well that's that's awesome so it, wait a minute let me get back to this i think you were able to deflect the answer to the question of what do you want to get out of this what what are your goals you can tell me to fuck no. off and ask another question that's fine no 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 you know, it's been interesting. Um, I think that that, like I said, this whole like kind of adult child journey has been about like figuring out my greater purpose. Okay. Um, and I think that there was this part of me that felt like I needed to have it like exactly all figured out. Like the only way to manifest the life of my dreams was to have like a crystal clear picture of what that is. And I've realized that that is not true. Um, and so it's just kind of been this process of taking action and creating the podcast and doing this and then just seeing like, what is my, what is my, what is the universe going to bring to me, you know, and just being very open to receiving that. I know that I can tell you what I know, what my greatest like skills are, or like, why was, why was I put on this earth? Like my, my greatest gifts are my vulnerability, um, my authenticity, as you said, my ability to connect with other people. I think that I was put on this earth to have conversations of depth and meaning and for people to hear them. Uh, I think that I have a way of getting through to people, you know, part of the reason that I started the podcast was like just having all these really, um, amazing interactions with strangers where I just was, I mean, I don't know how to keep, like, I, I just talked to everybody and I just opened it. And it was just every time that would happen, it would be perfectly clear, like why I was supposed to share, uh, what I was supposed to share with them. And so I know that that is my gift. I have 
I don't know if you listened to this. You need to. So I had a, this is a crazy story. So I, it was before I hit my adult child bottom. It was like seven years ago. I went and I had this life path reading from this intuitive. And it was the first time I had ever done anything like that before. And so I remember being a little bummed out after the reading because she was telling me that a lot of it didn't make any sense to me, but the stuff that she was saying was like that my purpose was spiritual. And I thought that that sounded super fucking lame, like so lame. Um, and so I was like, oh, what does that mean? I'm supposed to like go like live in an ashram or I'm like supposed to, you know, like go on silent meditation retreats for like months at a time. Um, so two years later, I listened to it again. And a lot of the stuff that she was saying made a lot more sense because of the experiences that I had mostly around my gift being communication. I then just listened to it a couple months ago. And what she said to me, this was seven years ago. She said, you're a master communicator. She said, you have a way of, um, of, of conveying, you know, of communicating in ways, not just not just the, not just the, the message, but the way in which you deliver the message you can deliver, you can communicate in a way that people can receive it and use it in your life. She said, the only way you're going to feel fulfilled is when you are using your gifts to empower others and help them like basically say things to them. She goes, if you want to be fulfilled, she goes, it must be spiritually and creatively based, and it will be in the field of communication. It was fucking crazy. I had chills. So that's what, that's it. I mean, I, I'm, I'm here to be a communicator, um, to talk about like real shit. And also too, like, another thing is like, I want, I want us to be able to like laugh at ourselves too. Like, you know, it's oh, like embracing the pain. So much. Yeah. Yeah. Like let's like, and I think that that's why my podcast is very digestible to people is because it's like heavy shit, but like, we kind of laugh about it, you know? Oh my God, Andrea, we have to laugh. We have to laugh. I mean, I worked in the ER for years and ER humor is really fucking incredible. (laughs) You know, the stress of the environment, the stress of our world, the politics and COVID and everything else that's gone on and the substance stuff, which we are struggling with, you have to turn on the creative juices, the inspirational juices, the action juices. And you do that through love and love is a positive thing. So you turn the pain into a soup, which has good flavor in it. I know it sucks. I know that what we went through is not the kind of thing you want to do. Yeah. I keep talking about when I, I, I woke up in a dumpster twice. I, I still can't get over it. When I talk to people, I, how many so people like wake sobriety up? Too. <laughs> yeah, in spite of the difficulties, you have to laugh at yourself. And you have to laugh at the challenges. And this joy at the laughter inspires us to get up and go. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you can only bitch so long and people go, la, 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 they don't want to hear it. So uh, good for you. And I think you've, you literally answered my question in a very unique way. When I asked you, what are your goals? You came out and said, I aspire to be a good communicator. You were born with this gift. It took you a lifetime to get to where you are and to embrace it. And girl, have you ever embraced it? 
Yeah, I'm telling you, I got a crystal ball. I do. I own a crystal mm. ball. Wait a minute. Hold on. Let me show you. Show. See it? Ready? Oh, wow. That's a crystal ball of coffee right there, baby. And I'm going to tell you, your, you, if you want to have a show on broadcast, you'll probably do it. If you want to be a leader in the, the podcast world, well, you're... I don't know about lead. Nobody fucking cares about leading. You just want to be impressive to your audience for your purpose. Yeah. And I, think- I just want authentic, vulnerable can, like conversations where we can just like laugh at ourselves too. Like, it's just, I don't know. I think that people are craving authenticity so much. Um, you know, I do. I do. And it, <laughs> I, I'm kind of smirking as I laugh with you because I had my when I say I had my head up my ass. One of the things I was so self conscious, I was so insecure. I did everything for everybody. I wanted to make everybody happy. Hi, child. Right. This is what we do. Got to make everybody everybody happy. I was the 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 one that would make fix things and do all that shit. And. It wasn't until I didn't give a shit anymore what people thought that mm-hmm. I'm going to be me. But Andrea, it took for me, for my wife to get severely ill to where I no longer cared what you thought. All the patina of trying to be this way. I worked for a particular organization. I could never fit the mold. A lovely you know, human service organization who very good intention, but I couldn't fit their mold. I tried to act this way, failed. Try to act another way, failed. I was either arrogant or intimidating or something. And I realized yeah, any, that's been my experience too. <laughs> I can imagine, but the reasons, and I think we share this, mm-hmm. the core purpose of, was overriding all of that. We couldn't fit their mold. I couldn't fit their mold. Dude, The way I grew up in the environment I grew up, I don't know nobody who went through the kind of stuff that me and my family members went through. And it wasn't all bad. It was good. Mm -hmm. My father was a practicing clinical psychologist. He worked at Fort Monmouth in the early days of the acid studies and inventing the goddamn lie detector. He was a, you know, suit and tie and, you know, my mom, a school teacher. And you look at these two going to the Hebrew Center on Sunday mornings. They look the part. But in the afternoon, you get home, my father said, hey, I got this great Coke. You want to try it? I mean, that's a mind blower. And then behind the curtains, the other things that happened, nobody else could possibly understand how the way that my brothers and sister and I were introduced into this world was so unique. And we ended up being pretty messed up each in our own ways. And the life-changing aha moment of my, you know, dealing with my wife's illness, allowing me to say, I don't care how other people feel anymore. I'm going to be me. Mm -hmm. Oh, how liberating. How fucking Mm -hmm. liberating. Mm. And it's allowed me to do good work. I speak my language. I talk the way I do. And I tell people, if you got a problem with my cursing, do fucking bad. I it's the way I am. It's how I grew up on the Jersey Shore. 
I'm from Philly originally. Oh, no wonder. <laughs> yeah. I won't hold no, that. I've had, I've had two. That's the only criticism I've ever received about my, and it's only been two people. It was two women telling about me what? that I say fuck, fuck too much. That I say fuck too much. So. So, okay. Bye. And I just said, I just said, thank you so fucking much for your feedback. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, girl, I'm going to tell you this. You know, you and I meet and stop and shop or the grocery store and you got something to get off your chest and you're going to lay it on me. And there's going to be <laughs> the words come out the way they are. Exactly. And, what, and what you've said is when you, we talk, folks, when we talk about being authentic, we mean about being ourselves and not trying to hide or be anything else. And, 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 yeah. and, and listening to Andrea, this is the way she is. She's a Philly girl. This is the way she learned to talk. This is the way she is. And the same for me. Well, that's what one of them said was that, um, you know, I know that uh, you wouldn't want to turn any, lose any listeners um, because of your cursing. And I'm like, well, that just goes totally against what the hell I'm doing. Thank you. You know, like this is about, I mean, honestly, like what, what the podcast is about is about like unearthing our authentic selves. Right. Like that is what happens when you grow up in a dysfunctional family is that our true selves go into hiding and the false self emerges. So, um, I'm not, no, I'm not, I'm not trying to uh, act in a, in a certain way so that everybody listens to my podcast. I'm just trying to be me. Oh, just, just do. And you know, yeah, if they yeah. can't take a joke, fuck them. Um, yeah, you're the manner in which you, you listen to your guests and the way that you mm -hmm. respond from the heart, off the top of the head, right out there, incredibly creative, and your depth of resource of the manner in which you engage, meaning you're not just one column of type or style. I've heard you go in different directions, and I get the feeling you feed off of people. So when you get somebody who's really effervescent, I mean, I'm an outgoing guy. I can make, my mother used to say I'd make friends with lampposts. And I do. And I do. And they're I good friends. Yeah, yeah, I'm having one with I'm having one over for dinner tonight. <laughs> they're on my Christmas card list. Yeah. So the, the thing is inspiring. Let's let's just talk about this for a minute. As before Ash uh Andrea <laughs> before Andrea and I got on the podcast um for a few minutes, we just spoke a little bit and um the 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 blunt bottom line to all of this is inspiring boots on the street. Mm -hmm. We understand that change happens one-on-one. -on -one. You can broadcast a message, an image, you can do something large scale to get information out, but you can't connect and inspire true authentic change unless it's intimate. And that intimacy mm -hmm. is what I feel in the manner in which you talk. So prior to today, we had not met. As I'm listening to you, I'm a man. I don't have anything um, to identify with with women in our world, except the challenges are the same. The mm -hmm. angle that you address challenges and where they came from, all completely different. But your open heart and your creative mind is brilliant. So thank you. Whoever it was that you went to do your card reading or whatever it was, yeah, who, turned, you, who yeah. turned and said, you are, you will be a good communicator was wrong. 
you were born a good communicator Mm -hmm. and it's now come Mm -hmm. out because this Mm -hmm. is as real as it gets. Mm, Thank you. Well, the interesting thing people ask about what I do and they say, can you teach me to do it? And I say, well, no, I can't. I can inspire you to learn how to be yourself and see if you can create it from within. Mm -hmm. If you've got that tool set, hey, I'm going to tell you straight out. I'm five foot seven. My days with the Boston (laughs) Celtics are limited. So if I try to be a Celtic, I am not going to succeed. But I will succeed at being a miner. And I like gold mining. (laughs) So you see, to thyself be true, kiddo. To thyself be true. I'm I'm 5'11". I'm a tall lady. Well, you're always entertaining. Great nicknames growing up. I had some great nicknames growing up. Um, awkwardly tall girl. That was my fave. And then Ma- Mandria. That one was great. <laughs> Mandria. So nice. Oh, yeah, Mandria. I'm kind of uh, into it now, though. Well, again, to thyself be true. And what's going to happen as you as you continue to allow yourself just to, I got to be me, got to be me, as you continue to be you. <clears throat> I get the feeling that this will be part of the healing, this Mm -hmm. thing that you just shared, which, of course, is core with you, will will melt away along with the other challenging issues. And Mm -hmm. um, by the way, I just want to tell you, when I went to college in Colorado, I dated a girl named Jane who was 6'2". And we went out out on a date, and I went to get her, and she had... Fuck me pumps with the six inch heels. Oh, I swear God. to God, that girl was seven feet tall. And as we walked, as we walked, I had my hand around her ass as we're walking down the street. A real freak show. But at dinner, oh, she, she turned to me and we had such a great time. And we dated for the rest of the semester. And then I left school. And she said, you know, everybody's, oh, my God. everybody's, people are afraid to ask me out. Mm. And they think I'm some sort of monster. And I was like, mm. oh, my God. And she goes, you know, you're so comfortable with me. And I go, well, because I met you in class and you were at a chair right next to me. down. Yeah. And we were <laughs> the whole time. And when she, because I came into class late, and when she stood up, I went, well, hello. And it was, uh, and that made her laugh. That made her laugh. She stood up and went, well, hello there. And that, she, but even in my fucked upness of that period of my life, mm-hmm. I looked at this person in the eyes and I was totally me and I didn't have any pretensions. Of course she was cute and we, we connected a little bit, but that connection was enough so that in spite of the difference and that very awkward difference. I couldn't do it. I, I, uh, <laughs> I went, <laughs> I once went to a, uh, an open mic stand up. And I did a bit on the great epidemic in America that no one's talking about, which is guys lying about their height on dating apps. It's tragic. <laughs> it's tragic. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, I, I never. Ne- well, wait a minute. Hold it. Crap. Of, I wore fry boots when I went to school in Colorado. And the fry oh boots had the, the, the two the two inch heels, right? Because I was just about mm-hmm. to say, I never did anything to boost my height. But no, no, no. Say nay. Did. I did. No, they sure. Lie. They lie. They lie. If it says six feet tall, that they're never, 
They're never six feet tall. If it says six, two, they're maybe six feet tall. (laughs) But you know what I also say in my podcast is like, you know, thank God I started smoking at 12 or I would have been like, (laughs) (laughs) that stunted your growth. Smoking wasn't a bad thing. I mean, come on. (laughs) Well, you see, sometimes the shit works to your benefit. Okay. Exactly. Oh, funny. Well, you know, all of this goes to when you talk about your authentic self, you talk about coming to terms, you know, you're, you're, you're a tall girl. And even though at this moment in time, you're still self-conscious about it, you just started this podcast. Well, you said something to the effect of it being an issue. This podcast is incredibly therapeutic. Mm -hmm. Every new person you speak to is cracking open a door to a subject which you may or may not be ready for. But if you are ready, you are right mm-hmm. in that therapeutic milieu where you're touching base with the individual you're speaking with to open the heart of the matter and get get your real feelings out about these things and talk about the connections. And those mm-hmm. connections, that therapeutic process, of looking at a conundrum or a challenge or something which is painful and then making it okay. And we make it okay. We don't solve anything. We make it okay to talk about. And Mm -hmm. in talking about it comes the resolutions from within. As a therapist, I remind people I don't do anything. I'm the laziest person on the planet. I just sit here and listen to you. Mm Mm-hmm. And then I will tell you what you tell me through the lens of my experience. And that's Mm -hmm. turned out to be one of the most, I love that I say that because it's true. And for you to do what you do, you're doing the same thing. You're listening to your interviewee and you're sharing your thoughts about what they're saying and repeating to them what they say, which inspires more creative dialogue. Flow. Mm -hmm. Oh, and that that's, you, as we said earlier, you, it's, I think it's difficult to teach, if not impossible, because it's all on the fly. And um, it, it reminds me, um, you know, as an, I do interventions, and I got trained by Jeff and Deborah Jay from Love First. I got certified through them. Thank you, guys. And then, Judith, um, I went through the Arise program um, with Judith Landa, and Every time you get into it, you throw the book out. You're just going to be on your feet because shit's going to happen from left field. They're going to throw zingers. And if you can't think on your feet, it's not going to work out so good. And that's I think I would be a good interventionist. Well, you certainly think on your feet because as I've heard you in these discussions, you're, you're not stockpiling questions or you may, but your dialogue Mm -hmm. is absolutely alive with, and on the surface, uh, what I'm what I'm trying to say is it's not premeditated, not scripted. I think I'm a good active listener. Thank you. I think you said in two seconds what I meant, what I tried to say in third, which yeah, is yeah. typical of me. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's been something I've thought about. I think I would be a good um, interventionist because of that. And also, too, I just think that I have a way. I think what my gift is, especially like with working with sponsees and stuff like that, is that um, I have a way of being like pretty 
it almost harsh in a way, but, but direct, but in a way that people can receive it, if that makes sense. Absolutely. You know? Yes. I, I am that way directly. And okay. I mean, I, I tell people, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell it like it is. And it's yep. going to be a little crispy, but I want you to know that uh, this is all for your benefit and for the benefit of the person we're trying to help. Um, and How also, did this one go the, over Thanksgiving? How did this intervention go? It went very well. Thank you very much. Um, this person was cut from um, an interesting cloth, and in I had to find a facility which would tailor to this individual's specific background, current engagement, and understanding and view of the world. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, I can't talk about the individual, but I will tell you that yep. normally you'll want to match birds of a feather. And so this, this had to happen knee-jerk immediately. I got called uh, a couple of days before Thanksgiving. The client was coming home for Thanksgiving. They needed to do it Thanksgiving. Okay, Thanksgiving it is. And sure enough, I meet with the family, and then we do the practice. And in the morning, I'm there with the family, and we wake up the loved one, and it's like, who the fuck are you? And we're on. And of course, all you know, as I tell everybody, your loved one will be defiant, argumentative. They'll be in no mood to go, and they're going to ask to make the decision tomorrow. Sure enough, all of that happened. But mm -hmm. because we use a system, and it's a little bit of theater, of writing letters mm -hmm. and substantiating those letters, we were able to make it work. The big trick, and this everyone who's ever done an intervention and done sober transport, the big trick was getting them there. <laughs> because the airlines, are, you know... Things mess up and people coming, the facility was, you know, driving up to get him. But the day we arrive, Thanksgiving, the medical staff was leaving early so they couldn't do the intake. Mm -hmm. So suddenly I had to have him stay with me a night. You know, mm -hmm. I put him up in a room in the hotel I was in. Mm -hmm. Thank God this time it didn't have a mini bar. Mini bar, yeah. I did one a few what years ago. <laughs> Go ahead. I was going to say, so when you're having these interventions, um, obviously the, you're, you're getting the, the, the patient, the client to agree to certain things. What are you telling the family that they need to do? Communicate, communicate, communicate. I mean, I mean to, to get recovery for themselves. Communicate. What's going on is a family thing. It's a family mm -hmm. system Re-engineering. You've brought me into this family to help this individual, but we all have our things. And I tell people, although we're working with Junior, what I'm going to share is for everyone. And you may have your shit. We're not here for you. We're here, in this case, for him or her. But after this, I'll be happy to talk to you about your world. And what we need to do is listen to each other, learn from each other, and find new ways to address the issues so that we can rebuild our family, rebuild the trust. Mm -hmm. The love is there. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the love is there or else I wouldn't be there. But trust is gone. Mm -hmm. Of course, there's been theft and there's been car wrecks and 
all sorts of things. By the time I'm called in, the shit has hit the fan. So I tell them that this is family therapy, that we are going to be working as a group. After I bring your loved one to treatment, I offer to continue with the family. And more often than not, they do. So it is a family dynamic. And, of course, the individual who gets the specific Do you ever do it with teens? Yes. So the the family. Do you ever. Okay. So like in my situation, I was, I was, I was the scapegoat. I was the identified patient. Are you seeing that often? That's most of, most of it is the identified patient and the the system, the family system needs that individual to be Mm -hmm. the ill one. It's all him or her. Yeah. That was amazing. And then when you disrupt that system, things get messy. And now we don't have the little girl to blame anymore. So, yeah, you crack that egg open and you got to make scrambled eggs Mm -hmm. out of it. But the the real, the real, it's it's funny because when I go to um, these uh, conferences with other, I'm a member of AIS, the Association of Intervention Specialists, and when we sit and meet as a group and come out with the stories, doing the intervention itself, that's freaking easy. It's getting them there and having people mm-hmm. s- start to go into detox, sitting next to you in the mm-hmm. car. It's a three-hour ride. You're one and a half hours into it, and this person's starting to go through mm-hmm. the shakes. What do you do? Mm-hmm. And then in the airport, what do you do? And then if there's a delay or you have to stay overnight, And like I was saying before, I brought somebody to Texas once and they put us up in the, in the Houstonian, this magnificent hotel. And the client gets this fantastic suite. I had told the hotel, no mini bar. Guess what? They didn't listen to me. (laughs) Of course, I said goodnight to the client, went in my room, started taking the stuff out of my pocket. I opened the doors and there's the mini bar. I went out, knocked on the door. Hey, how you doing? He comes to the door, door peeks open two inches. I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me in. We got to lock the mini bar. He goes, oh, shit. <laughs> so things like that happen. But uh, this one went re- very well. But um, hey. the whole idea is inspiring people to change. And that's the key. While you're there, you're sitting with the family and the loved one and the loved one who's going through all of this horror of this, you know, either the shock of a a surprise intervention, which I really don't like. I Mm -hmm. do prefer in the invitational invitation where Mm -hmm. it's more of a family event and I'm the family therapist and we're here to help the family. And as we talk, we find that, this junior, whether it be Sally or Arthur, is having the most trouble, and this is what needs to happen now. So, mm-hmm. yeah, well, thanks for asking. That yeah, was uh, it was an interesting one. You don't get a lot of prep time on most of these. You're called right when the uh, iron is hot. And mm-hmm. um, so that's an interesting thing. And you probably would do very, very well. And so this might be something for us to talk about. Not that this would be the kind of thing you would do as a primary way of making an income or your livelihood. But I get the feeling people will probably call on you for help 
And you may find that you may very well be able to. So you and I will talk. I'm sure we'll talk after this. And I'll introduce you to any number of folks who may be able to guide you. And uh, we'll keep this conversation going. But I appreciate that. Is there anything specific you want to tell, in this case, the Sober Network audience about you, your efforts? Tell us about the various mediums that you're involved in. Because people's eyes are rolling in the back of their head. We're going a little long here. Um, I guess the only message that I want to portray is that, you know, I um, I was under the impression, and I don't think this was ever said to me. When I first got sober, I what I took away, and I don't think that old timers were saying this, but for some reason, the message that I received was that Um, you know, these people with 20 plus years was that, you know, life sucked, they got sober and that, you know, that, that, that pain of their own making ceased the day they got sober that yes, life, life on life's terms still happened, but that we were no longer the creators of our own pain. Um, and so when I found myself, you know, at nine years of sobriety, in another relationship with yet another active alcoholic, I felt so much shame. And what I learned is that this is very common that, you know, we, we, we get sober and, um, you know, between five to 10 years, uh, it's like our psyche knows that we are, we've dealt with the alcohol and now it's time for like the real causes and conditions to kind of bubble to the surface. Um, but what I want to say is that like, we don't grow unless we're in pain. So like, if we were to come into sobriety and get sober and never, you know, experience hardship again, then, then we wouldn't grow. Um, and so I've learned to really embrace that pain. Um, when I first went through that in sobriety, whenever I'd be going through a hard time, I was convinced I would never feel better again. Um, I have enough experience to know that that's not true. Um, but yeah, I, I just embracing the the different layers of the onion and and the various you know levels of pain because it's truly just more opportunities to grow and to become um, our very best selves and experience life in a very meaningful way. So um, yeah, if if you're out there and you're sober and you're in a lot of pain or in more pain than you were when you first got sober, like that's okay and. I promise you that when you get to the other side, it's all going to be worth it. Hallelujah. Um, truer words have never been spoken. Seriously. Um, what's up with your recovery bulletin? What is that all? That's not, no, that's, that's Leonard's thing. Oh, okay. Then what about, um, what do you do with Instagram? I just post and shit on there, little stupid videos and content. And yeah, so you can, Please reach out to me. I love hearing from people. So you can DM me on Instagram or you can email me at Andrea at adultchildpodcast.com. I try to respond to everybody. Uh, please reach out. Um, so yeah, and then my podcast drops every um, Wednesday. Um, and But I highly recommend that you start from the beginning because like the first 10 episodes or so is really the foundation of one, my story and two, what it means to be an adult child. Uh, so I do recommend kind of starting from the beginning and listening to the first, I don't know, eight or 10 episodes, and then you can, can bounce around, but it kind of builds upon each other. So we're talking all sorts of shit, codependency, complex trauma, addiction, 
spiritual shit, all that stuff. So many topics. And I'm sure we just, uh, just, just chipped off the tip of the iceberg. Um, mm-hmm. there, there's a lot to come. Um, the one thing that uh, Andrea and I did share, and I mentioned this a little bit earlier about getting boots on the street, and this is what I encourage everyone who's listening. If you have any desire to improve yourself or your world, by all means, reach out to someone else. In reaching mm-hmm. out and being a teacher, we all know the best way to learn is to teach. The best way to retain your sobriety is help others stay sober. Be a, you know, whether you do it through AA or sober coaching or recovery coaching or whatever you want to call it, I absolutely highly recommend you get out there and do that. Um, we need to tip the scale of this insanity. How our culture and world got this way, we may never really know. We can speculate, and I'm sure some of us have ideas. But it doesn't matter because this is where we're at. And the best thing we can do to affect change, think globally and act locally. And um, Andrea and I share this. We are talking with individuals one-on-one with the idea of helping individuals um, sharing their ideas with us and our ideas with them. And because you're listening to us one-to-one, I truly do hope that you understand what I mean, that if anything that Andrea and I have said has touched you, um, please let us know. By all means, reach out to Andrea. Um, you can uh, you know, reach out to me through the Sober Network as well. But any parting shots there, kiddo? You Any shout-outs? Anybody you want to pat on the back? No. Where's your cat? Here. She's probably in the closet. Well, that's one thing that's never happened. I've never had a cat come out of the closet before. That that would be an interesting <laughs> Well, on behalf of Andrea, um, thank you so much. Um, Andrea Ashley thank of you. the Adult Child Podcast, I truly appreciate your time. And to um, those of you out in the uh, ethosphere, uh, be safe out there. Um, you know, the best we can do is the best we can do, and we will. On behalf of... Uh, Andrea Ashley, um, Howie Marlin on the Sober Network. Um, Godspeed. Godspeed. Take care. (laughs) That was great. Well, thank you so much. I'm going to hit the. Yeah, that was lovely. I'm going to put.